Hello, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I'm your host, Scott David Chase. I'm going to be talking about six films today. This is sort of the end of 2018 uh, wrap-up, uh, although one of the films I saw uh, on January 1st, 2019, so I'm kind of lying right there. Um, I'm going to talk about six films, so these are going to be like fairly quick but um, so the films I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Kindergarten Teacher, Mary Poppins Returns, The Favorite, uh, Vice, and Roma. Um, uh, so Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an animated film. It's a you know Sony Studios, Sony Animation Studios, and you know Sony has the film rights to the Spider-Man character. They, they're working with Marvel, but this is uh, a separate thing from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It doesn't really matter uh, if you know about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or not, or if you even know any of the iterations of Spider-Man in film that's come before. This is its own thing. This will probably be the beginning of a Spider-Man animated cinematic thing. Doesn't really matter. It sounds like Another cog in a franchise wheel, and uh, could couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, we saw this preview several times during the summer, and I remember thinking that I have zero interest in seeing this. I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan, and uh, didn't really care about it. And uh, the the I saw Venom uh, a few months ago with my friend Chris Umbright, and while I didn't enjoy that film, uh, there was a post-credit sequence, which was basically a five-minute scene lifted directly from this film as like a preview for it, and that got me very interested in it. I uh, really love the animation, and it, it is computer-animated, uh, which I'm traditionally not a huge fan of, but I just love the way that this film looked. Biggest thing is, it looks like an old-school comic book, the way that they colored them with dots, um, it's bright, it's vibrant, uh, it, it's fun. Without giving a whole lot away, I mean, there's not really any spoilers, but uh, basically the plot is uh, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, uh, has a device and it opens up multiple portals, or a single portal to multiple different uh, timelines and universes and the version of Spider-Man from several of these other timelines and universes gets dropped into ours, and they all have to work together to get back to their own worlds. Um, this is very interesting because there's very, very uh, many different versions of Spider-Man in the comic books, in cartoons, so on and so forth, and this sort of attempts to um, you know make sense of it, but also kind of make peace with that Um the Spider-Gwen character, which is one of the more popular Spider-Man spinoff characters in the last, you know, 20 years or so, is one of the characters in this. And uh, Spider-Man Noir, which is a 1930s uh, noir version of Spider-Man, voiced in this film fantastically by Nicolas Cage, uh, is another one. But another one is uh, uh, Spider-Ham, which is an anthropomorphic pig. Spider-Man hero, which is uh, voiced by John Mulaney in this, and it was uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, really, you know, 
really a lot of fun. Spider Ham was started as a par- parody character and is now considered canon with the Spider Man, you know, larger Spider Man universe. Uh, I had a blast at this movie. It was a lot of fun. Caught, caught me by surprise how much I enjoyed it. Um, light in tone, like I said, but not not vapid, not empty. And I really hope, you know, if they make more of these, that they keep this tone, keep keep it light. And uh, I really like the focus on the Miles Morales character as the central character, whereas Peter Parker takes kind of a, um, a co-pilot seat to the story. And, uh, you know, he's, he's biracial, uh, lives in Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, the, the scenes of him swinging around New York City are fantastic, and um, it works in this because the entire film is CG Whereas in previous Spider-Man movies where just the main character is CG in a real world, it just, it looks fake, but this, it's just, it immerses you in and it's, it's a blast. I really enjoyed it. Um, this actually ended up being one of my, uh, I believe this was one of my top 10 films of the year. We just did the countdown, uh, on the last episode, but, uh, I can't remember now, but if it wasn't in the top 10, it was in like the top 12 or 13, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would give Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse an 8 out of 10. Um, The next film that I saw was actually a Netflix film. Uh, uh, It's called The Kindergarten Teacher, uh, a very low-budget indie film uh, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, It was uh, written and directed by a woman named Sarah Colangelo. Um, You know, I had heard Maggie Gyllenhaal on Mark Maron's podcast, talking about a lot of her work and you know i've she's always doing interesting stuff often does really dark stuff which you know uh, some people might say this film isn't that dark but i i would counter that thematically it is it's basically about a lost broken uh kindergarten teacher who kind of gets artistic inspiration um uh, from one of her kindergarten students who ends up being a poet and, you know, she champions him slash exploits him depending on how you look at it. And it's an interesting film. It, it is a slow-moving drama, uh, but, you know, it, it really kind of uh, examines creativity and what art really means. And uh, ultimately, it's a it's a pretty pretty sad film, uh, you know, upsetting and sad, but, uh, another solid performance for Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, she kind of, she plays characters very similar to this a lot. And I don't want to say she's typecast, but she is very good at playing these lost characters. And she did a good job in this as well. Um, certainly not something I could recommend for everyone. You have to like you know, character dramas and, you know, I think appreciate darker films with not so tidy endings. Um, I'd give the kindergarten teacher eh, probably a six out of 10. Uh, I also saw Mary Poppins returns. That's the one that I saw on new year's day. Um, I had mixed feelings about going into this, uh, 
you know, loved Mary Poppins as a kid, the original film, the Julie Andrews starring film. And when it was announced that Emily Blunt was cast to play the role of Mary Poppins, I thought, well, that, that will probably work. She looks enough like Julie Andrews and, uh, she's a great actress it's interesting, most of the stuff that I've seen her in in the last five years since I've really taken note of Emily Blunt as an actress have been on the darker side. Uh, so to see her play something light um, was fun. Although it's interesting, uh, the character of Mary Poppins is definitely an enigma. And I, I've always felt, even since I was a kid, there was a, there was a bit of darkness hidden behind the veneer of Mary Poppins, which has never been explored. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it would make sense to do, you know, a, a Mary Poppins, uh, dark side story, but you know, there is, there is a bit of deceit behind all of her fancifulness and, uh, you know, her disappearing without saying goodbye, stuff like that. And, um, I don't know. It's, it, it always had a, a bit of curiosity to me, but, uh, I thought Emily Blunt was really good in this film. Uh, the the biggest problem that it had against it is uh, the films or the uh, songs are not as strong in this film, and I don't know if that's because of the songs themselves or because the songs from the original are so ingrained in all of our DNA from our childhood that it's impossible to measure up. Um, there's also uh, the issue with Lin Manuel Miranda, who. Uh, plays uh, a lamplighter he's basically playing the he's substitute for the Burt character that Dick Van Dyke played in the original although Lin-Manuel Miranda is in this to me it feels like more than Burt was in the original and um, Lin-Manuel Miranda I don't know like I it wasn't terrible in it but it's kind of a nothing role and it's a nothing role that's in it too much. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, I, I didn't really enjoy the character that much. And uh, the story of trying to save uh, the Banks children's house. Um, is it the Banks? Is that the kids' names? Uh, sorry. I'm thinking out loud. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yes, it is the Banks. Um, the story of them needing to save their house is kind of, it doesn't really matter. I, I, and I think much like in the original, the storyline doesn't matter so much. It's just, uh, it's a way to get from set piece to set piece. And one of the things that I really liked about Mary Poppins Returns is the, the marriage of the live action and the animation. The animation looked very similar to the animation from the original film, uh, com complete with, you know, rough outline lines. And, um, it looks like the old school Disney animation. It doesn't look like modern Disney animation. So they did a great job in matching that. Um, and the tone was solid there. The CG work in this was not overbearing, which was good. It, uh, you know, it, it felt a lot like the original film, so you know they they were successful in that. But um, again, it had an impossible job, which was to live up to 
the original and there's no way that they it could do it. So it, it, it didn't do that, but I, it was pleasant enough. I enjoyed it. I did see it, uh, in a theater full of young kids, uh, and all the kids seemed to really enjoy it. So I'd say that Disney did their job. Uh, you know, they, they've been doing it for a long time and they, they know what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I didn't hate it. I'll probably like it more than the other live action Disney movies that are coming out this year. Um, I get, was it the Lion King, Dumbo and Aladdin? Not really looking forward to seeing any of those. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd give Mary Poppins Returns uh, also a, a 6 out of 10. Uh, the next film that I saw was The Favorite. It's a historical, you know, period black comedy from Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he's a Greek director. Uh, this was, it's funny, uh, Bob Scammon, who often does these with me, was talking about uh, how... It wasn't as dark as his other films, and that's certainly true. But I think this is darker than most mainstream audiences maybe are used to. Uh, great performances from Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. You know, a lot of people are talking about uh, Olivia Coleman, who plays the Queen, giving a stellar performance. Uh, I thought she was fine, but I, I, it wasn't a performance that I thought was staggering and noteworthy. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic performance by Emma Stone. Uh, she's an actress who, you know, having started in uh, Superbad, I think was her first film. She's really, you know, both both her and Jonah Hill have come into their own as dramatic actors as well. And, you know, Rachel Weisz always gives really solid performances. Uh, this was, a, I believe, her second film with uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. She, she was in The Lobster a couple years ago as well. and uh, Also, uh, uh, Nicholas Holt was in this. And, you know, of, of no, he, you know he's, he's a politician and he's always wearing you know, white powdered makeup and a wig. And you never see him without it, which was an interesting choice. But, uh, yeah, uh, a dark film. I actually thought it could have been a little darker, but it was pretty funny for a period drama. You know, you don't see that all that much. And I, I appreciated the, uh, the sneer, the, the, the snicker tone of this film. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a weird film to see, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, again, another film, difficult to recommend to everyone. Uh, a lot of the films that I see tend to be that way, which is why I try and balance it out with more mainstream stuff as well. But yeah, uh, I, I would give The Favorite a 7 out of 10. Uh, the next movie I saw was Vice. Uh, Adam McKay's new film. You know, Adam McKay got his start doing a lot of comedies, uh, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, so on and so forth. And uh, this is his second foray into uh, dramatic work. Uh, it's Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney. It's a fairly odd biographical film. The fourth wall is often broken. There's different devices used, which uh, I have some friends who are, you know, big movie fans who really like this stuff. I actually found it distracting in this film. 
I would have liked a more straightforward biography, but that's not what we got. And, uh, it, you know, it, Christian Bale gave a great performance in a solid but not great film. Uh, I also really liked uh, 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 Sam Rockwell, played George W. Bush. And I never realized how much he looked like him until this film. Uh, obviously, they did some stuff with his hair and some minor prosthetics to make him look even more like him, but gave a bit great performance as well. Amy Adams uh, played Dick Cheney's wife. Um, you know, Amy Adams, solid actress. This is one of those kind of thankless roles, uh, not a showy role, solid role, but uh, not a showy role for her. So, um, and Steve Carell was in this as well. This is the, I think it was the third film that Steve Carell did this year, you know, starred or co-starred in. Um, he played Donald Rumsfeld in this. Um, I didn't see Welcome to Marwin, and from what I've heard, it's not a good film by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, uh, um, Christian Bale's performance as Dick Cheney was great, and most of the transformation was his own work. He gained 40 pounds for the role. There are some prosthetics, but most of it is his own physicality where Steve Carell as Rumsfeld is mostly prosthetics and it shows a lot, you know, seeing this movie on a huge screen where his face is, you know, 40 feet tall, the, the, the rubber and the glue stuck to his face stands out a lot more. Uh, so that was sort of distracting, but uh, a solid performance from him as well. Like I said, uh, the the kind of gimmicks in this film didn't really work for me. Um, but, you know, and it's getting huge critical acclaim across the board. I don't think it's quite as good as everyone's saying it was a solid film, but I'd give Vice a six. If you're not into films about politics, I, I'd say this is not a film for you, but... Uh, you know, be forewarned. But again, Christian Bales gives a great performance. I don't necessarily think it's his best performance, but I think if he is going to win an Oscar, uh, this might be one of the films that uh, finally delivers that for him. So we will see in a couple months if he gets A, nominated, and B, if he wins. But, uh, you know, it, it's a possibility. And then the last film that I saw was uh, Roma. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's Alfonso Cuaron. I'm probably butchering his last name, and I apologize. It's his uh, latest film. You know his uh, his his work. Gravity is probably his most well known English language film. He also did Children of Men. He also de delivered uh, or directed Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which I did not see. Um, this is a film that, again, mostly can be seen on Netflix, but I saw it in the theater in Boston. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. It's a black and white film. It's a foreign language film. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's in Spanish and mixed tech, which is, you know, a dialect spoken in uh, Mexico City. Uh, and uh, there's a, you know like I said, black and white, and there's there's a lot of just sweeping cinematic shots that really have to be fully 
in you know experienced on the big screen, which unfortunately I think most people won't be able to do. It's more this movie. You know, it's a drama about a family in the early '70s that's kind of falling apart, and and but it's also about the you know revolution happening in Mexico City at the time and the class difference between you know the working class and then the middle class. It, it's about a, a housekeeper who lives with her. Uh, you know, li- she's a living housekeeper with a family. Uh, the upper middle class family and the upper middle class family is kind of falling apart. Um, a beautiful film. It is more of a moving picture. You know, it's more about the visuals than anything else. I mean, there there is some drama happening throughout the narrative, but uh, it is really just about uh, what the camera soaked up. And, you know, s- almost every shot is a very deliberate stage shot that it almost looks like a series of paintings uh it's just it's gorgeous to look at um so if you get the chance to see roma on the big screen i would highly recommend it um it's also incredibly sad uh at the you know near near the end of the film there's some really dramatic horrible stuff that happens to uh uh, the protagonist and uh, i don't want to go more into that because uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone but highly recommended uh, again you know it is not an English language film so there's going to be reading involved unless you're you know fluent in mixed tech or Spanish but it, it both the languages are together so my guess is if you're listening to this you'd probably have to read at least part of the movie uh, it is also black and white and it is a fairly slow moving film so um, those are all sort of not warnings, but letting people know. So, uh, but I would, I would give Roma an eight out of 10 as well. Uh, really highly recommended, really enjoyed it. So that is the wrap up of the tail end of 2018 for me. I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of movies in this year, 2019, and hopefully I'll I'll get back to you soon with uh, some new movies that I've seen. As always, thanks for listening.